Hi, friends, and welcome to Robcast 90. That's right, 9-0. And uh, this Robcast is called What They Did to That Wall. So what I want to do is I want to tell you about something that I saw in my neighborhood this week. And then I want to talk about the transcendent power of resistance. And then uh, I want to teach you a Hebrew phrase. And then I want to talk about the title of this episode, which is called What They Did to That Wall. Uh, but before we do that, this, seriously, if I could like do a drum roll right now, I am so excited to tell you that the Everything is Spiritual tour film is now out and it's free on the YouTube. Are you familiar with the YouTube? Um, last summer I did a tour called Everything is Spiritual and then we filmed it last fall and now it's out for free and uh, I am so thrilled. I love, I can't even tell you how much joy it brings me to make things and then share them with people. And, and to make this film, and we were trying to figure out how to distribute it, and they were like, let's just do it for free so that the most amount of people can see it as, like, right now. So if you go to YouTube, Everything is Spiritual, Rob Bell, you'll find it. There's one from two, there's the first Everything is Spiritual, which was 2006, and there's probably bits and pieces of that on YouTube, if not the whole thing. But this is um, the latest one, and it is, I'm just so happy with it, and um, just... So excited you get to see it. So that uh, we got that going on. And then this Saturday night, May 7th, I will be a guest on The Bitch Seat. <laughs> How can I not say that without laughing? There's this fantastic comedian named Alyssa, and she has this show called The Bitch Seat. And actually, it um, it's a live show, and it's um, at the performance space at Meltdown Comics, which is where Pete Holmes records his You Made It Weird um, podcast right there on Sunset here in Los Angeles, West Hollywood. And um, and then the How to Be Here tour rolls on. Um, my newest book, How to Be Here, came out a couple months ago, and I'm doing these one-day, all-day experiences all over the place. So the next one's Minneapolis. All those tickets and info is at robbell.com. Then we're going to Portland. Then we're going to Oklahoma, to Tulsa, and Oklahoma City. Then we're going to Brooklyn. Then we're going to Australia, doing how to be here in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Then uh, August, we're going to London. So um, we are rolling on. And I'm telling you what, it even happened this past week. I did a book event in San Francisco and I spoke at Google uh, this past week, actually. And to meet you people who listen to the Robcast is just, oh, man, man, it's just so great. So, my good friends, here we go. What they did to that wall. Um, I run my dog in the mornings. We go for these long runs all over the city. And there are so many murals all over our neighborhood, all over Los Angeles, but our neighborhood is just full of them. And I keep seeing, um, sometimes it's just, you know, like graffiti, but then sometimes it's like really complicated, massive paintings. Uh, Shepard Ferry, you know, the Obey uh, guy, he did the side of the West Hollywood Library, which is just stunning. Um, there's one right here on our street of this giant lady's head, um, I saw one the other day that was a brick wall and somebody had chipped out 
chunks of the wall in order to make a woman's face. So it was literally like the the face was essentially the negative space after they had taken these pieces out of the wall. Just incredible. And uh, so on any given day, even right the street, right out in front of our house, there are tourists um, from all over, uh, often Japanese and a lot of Europeans posing in front of these paintings. Um, and then there's some stores that have all sorts of interesting things painted on the outside. But a week ago Wednesday, I was out walking and I saw a new mural that I hadn't seen before. And uh, a bottled water company had done this huge, I'll be honest, it's like a commercial, okay? So it's an advertisement. I get it. But they had the entire side of this building painted into this like nature scape of these lush green mountains. And it's like 50 shades of green in this painting. And then there's the logo of the water company in the upper right-hand corner. And then this... Um, in white, these little letters that just says, keep nature in the picture. And, and I swear to you, this building, the, the painting goes from the sidewalk all the way to the top of the building. It's got to be like 30 feet tall by at least, I don't know, 60, 70 feet. Um, I mean, it is a big painting. And, uh, I hadn't seen it before, so it must have just been done. I first saw it a week ago, Wednesday, 11 days ago, and I was like, wow, that is a a big painting. But then, right after it was completed, a local gang used white spray paint and defaced the painting by writing their name over the whole wall. It's actually... uh, it actually raises some questions like how how did they reach that high? They must have had some equipment. It, it actually raises some logistical questions, how they even made the letters of their gang that big. I posted the picture on Instagram so you can see it. Um, and they did it in a white. The paint must have been uh, pretty watery or something because the letters like have this sort of runny, drippy look to them. And so the first thing I saw was this massive green mural. The second thing was, oh my word, it's been, di- oh, that's not intent, that wasn't done by the original artist. Somebody has just painted over, somebody like defaced it with giant letters of the name of their gang. Um, and by the way, one of my boys, I was telling him about it, he, he was saying that in gang culture, um, graffitiing your name of your gang is like total rookie. It's like a noob move. It's like a... Um, Posers only do that. Like the serious gang members would never do something that sort of big and ridiculous. Um, isn't that fascinating? But uh, I had the the that sort of impression. But then I noticed that there were two dudes out on the sidewalk, and they were in on the, like the one end, the far right end of the mural. And they were wearing those masks that people wear in airports when they don't want to get sick or they don't want to get anybody sick. You know those ones with like the little elastic piece? And they had rags and these bottles of cleaner and they had a scissor lift. You know, one of those things that raises you up. And I realized that these two guys were scrubbing off the graffiti. When I walked by, they were in the bottom right-hand corner and... They'd probably, when I walked by, cleaned up maybe two feet of it, maybe. Um, So it was this giant mural, these giant white letters, and then two guys in the right corner scrubbing like 
just a couple feet of the letters. And these two really strong impulses welled up within me as I sort of took on the scene as I walked by. Uh, the one was, seriously, y- you had to do that? Like, you saw this big giant green mural and your first thought was, we should ruin that. Uh, so it was like this sadness mixed with disbelief, m- mixed with uh, anger. Uh, do you ever see something so senseless um, or maybe even something mean and destructive and this sad disbelief, anger, almost like a you're like flirting with despair, like, seriously? Uh, and sometimes just this giant why rises up in your heart. Like, why? Why did you have to do that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, the world can be heartbreaking and insanely mystifying, can it? Uh, why did somebody see this massive, interesting green wall? Uh, let's call it corporate goodness, shall we? Because we, it's an advertisement. I get it. But still, um, somebody saw that and thought, let's ruin that with the name of our gang. Uh, so I had this one impulse, but then there was the second impulse that came right on the, impulse, uh, on the heels of that first impulse. And it was, I was like really inspired. These dudes are out there in the heat of the day scrubbing the white paint off. Um, now I realize, I assume they're getting paid. I assume probably the bottled water company heard about what happened and was like, we gotta get that white paint off right now. Um, but anyway, but still, there are these two dudes in those masks and they're scrubbing away and something welled up within me. Like I, I seriously just wanted to go over and be like, go dudes in masks, scrub, scrub like the wind. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, take that white off. Show those dudes that they can paint that thing and you're going to scrub off the white. Uh, it was like a defiant act of resistance. Like, yes. You can paint over this mural, but then we will put our masks on and we will get rid of that white paint. And actually today, 11 days later, I just drove by before I came to record, came back home to record this podcast. 11 days later, they're still out there and they've cleaned up most of it, but they were still out there finishing up cleaning it 11 days later. Yeah, you can ruin this mural but we will put our masks on and we will scrub until we get every last bit of it off. Uh, There is a transcendent power to resistance, like a massive no. Like you will not be allowed to ruin this. You can scar it and mar it, but we will get out our rags and we will restore it to how it was meant to be. There's this certain kind of holiness to a courageous no. Some things aren't right. They degrade people. They rob us of our dignity. And sometimes it's simply refusing to participate in the madness. And you have to resist. You refuse. Sometimes you you have to point out the insanity, not because you've lost your mind, but because any other reaction would be to lose your mind. Because if because you resist 
Because if you don't resist, then the system and the oppression and the despair and the destruction win. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm, I started out as a preacher, so the Jesus stories are sort of my, are, are my, my orienting center point. But the Jesus story is he stands up to the entrenched systems of power and greed. He insists this is not right. And in the first century, when you stood up to the industrial, religious, military power system, it generally would kill you. And so Jesus is killed for it. And essentially, better to resist and be killed for it than to join in and participate in the oppression and violence and dehumanizing of the poor and powerless. It's a story of resistance. Better to say no than to participate in the making of the kind of world that none of us want to live in. Now, when you start talking about resistance and the transcendent power of resistance, usually for many people, it conjures up images of people marching in the streets and holding up signs and boycotts and protests. And, and that can be a part of resistance. But uh, if you're like me, resistance is often about the small acts. Resistance is often about the quiet deeds that no one ever sees. Uh, I don't know if there's some sort of magnet I'm not aware of in front of our house, but in the street in front of our house, on a regular basis, there's litter out there. Like people drop cups and wrappers, and uh, I've been picking it up recently, and it's so annoying, like why I have to pick up that person's litter. And yet the other day I was picking up the litter, and something in me had like this, like this power welled up, like you will not leave that crap in front of my house. Like this section of the street will not have litter in it. There was like this weird, I was just picking, you know how you pick up stuff like with your fingers, like it's, you know what I mean? Like it's radioactive. I found myself carrying it back to the recycling bin and this strange like spinal fortitude was like welling up within me. Like, no, uh-uh, you, you will not do that here. You will not get away with that on my section of the street. We will keep this clean. Uh, that's resistance. And resistance, I know some of you are probably laughing, like, come on, you need to get a bigger life. But actually, that's my point. Resistance and the transcendent power of resistance is often found in the small acts. The great Abraham Joshua Heschel does all this wonderful writing about how at the heart of, the he of, of Judaism, is this insistence that your actions, everyday, average, normal human beings, that our actions matter. And you follow that through to the New Testament, to whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Essentially, New Testament language of saying, your actions take part in a much larger story than you may even be aware of. Sometimes resistance starts with just really small acts where something within you says, no, mm-mm. You, you, that will not happen here. That will not go down on my watch. I, I will not allow that. Sometimes resistance is about what you will and won't participate in. There, there's this toxic negativity that can often become the dominant language of a tribe or an office or a family or a group of friends. Um, 
It's like uh, GNTs, not GMOs, GNTs, general negative tones. You ever heard that thing where somebody's like, nobody cares anymore, or everybody's just concerned with making money, or these sort of abstract general negatives. Um, but maybe you do know somebody who isn't obsessed with money, or maybe you do somebody, know somebody who does care. Do you know what I mean? And suddenly what that person is saying is not true. Um, or, or why can't religious people this? Or everybody in government is this. Um, no, uh-uh. I know people who aren't like that. Uh, so sometimes resistance is simply, I don't agree. And I will not participate in that toxic vortex of negativity. I see lots of thrilling and fresh and beautiful and redemptive things happening all around me. Yes, the world is broken. And yes, lots of things are on fire. But sometimes resistance is when you simply refuse to live in a small world of generalizations about what everybody is or isn't doing. There are too many deviations, too many surprises. There, there's too much good news popping up all around us. Sometimes, sometimes resistance is simply you're not going to talk like that. Sometimes resistance is all about beauty. Aesthetics can be revolutionary. Are you with me on that? When you decide that ugly isn't going to win, that is a deeply divine course of action. Design is, is a sacred thing. See, for some people, the issue is just does it work? And then design is sort of a luxury that can get tacked on. But design, design is a deeply integrated, absolute necessary dimension of everything. Because for some people, making it look right, making it feel right, was like, ah, nah, as long as it works. But no, uh, go all the way back. Uh, the opening poem of the scriptures, the trees, they're pleasing to the eye. The fruit is pleasing to the eye. Like aesthetics and design are part of life. They're not a luxury. They're not trivial. They're central to the whole thing. And sometimes resistance is when you demand that this is going to be ordered, clutter-free, beautiful, creative. See, the world left to its own can easily strip us of our dignity and honor. The, the world can fragment you. It can pull you in all these different directions. The system can etch upon your heart this deeply destructive belief that you are only as good as what you produce. You are only as good as your achievements, your money, your accomplishments. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You go to work and you feel like just a number, like just a cog in the machine. Beauty reminds us that productivity is not God's highest goal for our life. Joy is. And sometimes resistance starts when you simply decide this is going to be ordered and it's going to be designed well. Aesthetics can be revolutionary. So for those of you especially are bent this way and you've spent your life defending why it has to look a certain way, don't defend that. Stand up for it and say no, because one of the most profound things you can do is insist that this 
thing is designed well. And then there's bitterness. Bitterness. Uh, there are some people who have deeply let me down over the past few months. And if I think about it, I literally just get like, you know that, like you get hot under the skin, like you just boil. Uh, and there's a part of me that wants to take their indifference and how they've failed me and generalize it. Do you ever have that impulse? Somebody betrays you, so then all people can't be trusted. Somebody fails you, and so nobody's any good. Do you know that thing that can happen where you take this particular experience and you universalize it? And so bitterness is right there. Bitterness is just waiting to grab hold of your heart. And sometimes resistance is when you simply say, I will not fall prey to bitterness here. I will not fall prey to cynicism. I will not fall prey to despair. I will not let that get the best of me. That's resistance. That is the transcendent power of resistance. It's when you realize that there is this thing lurking right there and it wants a piece of you and something within you just says, no, there is a divine power in that no. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, we want to make things, we want to do big things, we want to build things, but sometimes it takes all of our strength just to resist. Maybe you're a parent and you know about this because you had big plans for the day. Uh, and what you ended up doing is you clean. What did I do today? Oh, yeah, today our dog dug up this one bed of succulent plants in the corner. And so I'm in the hot sun on my knees in the gravel having to put things back. To, I had other things I wanted to do this afternoon than put that part of our yard back together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or your kid uh, needs this or that, or there's another mess, and you spend a bunch of time and energy just getting things back to zero. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you don't have a lot of energy to build and create something new and fancy and impressive because it took all your strength just to resist the chaos that seems to be hanging over the place like a cloud. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, right now you're resisting, and that's what's taking your energy. And it doesn't appear like things have moved forward. You know that feeling when you, you did all that work just to get back to zero? Um, sometimes resistance is the victory. And you need to let yourself off the hook for all of the big impressive things on your to-do list. And just need to say, I got back to zero, which means, by the way, that the negatives didn't win. And that in itself is some odd sort of victory. You know, there's this great Hebrew phrase, tikkun olam. Tikkun, T-I-K-K-U-N. It means uh, fixing. And olam means the world. And so uh, there's all sorts of discussion and even debate and disagreement about exactly how to think about the phrase, but you can uh, draw a pr pretty straight line about 400 years back to one tradition that spoke of tikkun olam as the repair and restoration of the world. But that's what we're doing. We're taking part in the repair and restoration of the world, something we actively participate in. Or as, or as the mystics would say, God is looking for partners. Jesus spoke of the renewal of all things. Uh, one of his first disciples, Peter, talk, spoke of the restoration of all things. 
the Apostle Paul spoke of the reconciliation of all things, putting things back together that have been torn apart. I like this phrase, tikkun olam. And in some strange way, uh, those dudes on that sidewalk, uh, something within me welled up like that mural got defaced. And now these two dudes were like, we're going to repair and restore this to how the artist originally intended it to be. And I realize it's just an advertisement for a bottled water company, but in some ways it's a metaphor for the whole thing. Uh, that's what we're doing, you and me. We're taking part in the repair, the fixing, the healing, the restoration of the world. Tikkun olam. Now I titled this episode, What They Did to That Wall. Now when you hear that title, What They Did to That Wall, who's the they? Who is the first they that you think of? When you hear that title, What They Did to That Wall, is your is the first image you have of the they the person who painted the wall in the first place, who put the who did the mural? Or is the first they that you thought of the people who tagged over it with the name of their gang? Or is the first they, what they did to that wall that you think of, those dudes who were scrubbing it clean over the course of the past 11 days? Which was the first they that you thought of when you heard that title, what they did to that wall? And, and the reason why I ask that question is what you look for, you will find. If you look for destruction and cruelty and despair and betrayal, you'll find it. You will find, if you look for people, if you're looking for people who don't get it, who aren't as enlightened as you are, you'll find them. You'll find them. If, if you set out looking for people who have completely insane political beliefs, you'll find them. You can find that. It's all around us. But what you look for, you will find. If you set out and you look for renewal and restoration, if you look for healing, if you look for new and fresh redemptive work in the world, you, you will also be able to find that. So, so what you look for, you will find. You will find it. Why isn't as interesting to me as it used to be? Why do people deface murals? Why do people betray each other? Why do people in, in the face of their own pain choose to entrench and become more bitter and more shallow and more mean? Why do people respond the way that they do to the challenges of the modern world? Why? Why are people sometimes so unbelievably cruel and heartless? Uh, but why isn't as interesting to me as it used to be? It is an important question when you're first waking up, when you're coming out of the fog, when you are growing up to just how dangerous and broken the world is. Why is, can be an important question at first. You're realizing just how fragile the whole thing is. But over time, if you stay awake, if you keep going and you keep growing and expanding, uh, why Asking all the why questions becomes much less interesting than the what questions. I don't know. I, I mean, sometimes you can find answers to why people do what they do, but sometimes it's just a great mystery. The, the human heart is a very, very mysterious thing. So why, uh, why becomes much, much less interesting over time? Because what 
becomes much more interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's broken. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, people are mean. So what are we going to do in response to that? What are we going to do now? What tikkun olam is there for us to join in? Because you have energy and power. You have been given life and you get to do something with it. You get to do something with what you've been given. And you can spend that energy trying to figure out why people do what they do. And you can spend that energy uh, becoming cynical and criticizing and becoming bitter. You can do that. We all can do that. It's easy. But this is energy that we could spend asking the question, what good is going to come out of even this? What am I going to do in response to this? Can something new and good and interesting and healing arise out of even this? We create our lives and we shape and mold and form our lives and we participate in the ongoing creation of the world. So uh, uh, two questions to wrap this up. Is there anything you have been participating in that's creating a world that you don't want to live in? And so you need to resist it. Any negativity, any ugliness, any vortex of toxicity, any general negative tones in your speech. And the truth is, when you participate in that, you are giving your energies to creating the kind of world that you don't actually want to live in. And so here's the thing. You need to tap into the transcendent and transformative power of resistance. And you need to quit or leave or refuse or walk away because you can't be part of that anymore. Sometimes we need to tap in to the divine sacred energy of a good no that simply says, no, I will not be a part of that anymore. And there is something so beautiful and redemptive and healing about that. And then secondly, is there something around you that's broken, defaced, defiled, tarnished, and it's enraged you or frustrated you, and you need to do something about it. See, sometimes we find our path in life through what we love. We stumble into something we love, and we're so happy that we get to do this, and that's what we give our energies to. And we talk about how much we love the work, and we love the craft, and we love to make this or go there or help people that way. Sometimes we find our path in life through what we love, but other times we find our path in life through listening to our anger, to what frustrates us, to to what righteously, divinely pisses us off. Are you with me now? <laughs> um, something needs to be repaired and restored. Someone needs healing. And sometimes we see it and there's something wrong. There's something need fixing. And something within us says something, somebody should do something about that. And we are the somebody and that's what we're here to do. And so you channel all that frustration and anger into something good and healing and redemptive, something involving tikkun olam. You reach down into your spine and you gather whatever strength and resolve and power you have and you say, 
no, I am not let going to let that go on. <sighs> the transformative, transcendent power of resistance. I will not go down that road. I will clean that mess up. I will not participate in that. Or I'm going to put on one of those weird little masks and I'm going to pick up a rag and I'm going to start scrubbing. So yeah, I was just out for a walk and I saw these two dudes and they were cleaning up some graffiti. And something within me said, that's a metaphor for the whole thing. May you, my brothers and sisters, tap into the transcendent power of resistance. May you from time to time find yourself reaching deep down and mustering up a good old school divine no to the insanity and brokenness you see around you. From litter to speech to negativity to ugliness, may you resist what needs to be resisted so that you can take part in the healing, repair, and restoration of the world. And may grace and peace be with you.